shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. Watch him hang from the cross. Then celebrate his resurrection. This is Reading the Bible Together, Holy Week. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. We are in our series on Holy Week, and today we're going to talk about Jesus clearing the temple. I am so pleased to welcome to the podcast Pastor Gary Dawkins of Mercy Vineyard Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome, Pastor Gary. Thank you for having me, and thank you for that wonderful warm welcome. Oh, I just our little pre-conversation before we started recording, I'm very excited about this conversation. I think it's going to be good. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I hope so. <laughs> what made you choose to talk about this out of all the topics of Holy Week? What a loaded question. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Jesus clearing the temple is one of my favorite uh, incidents, I would say, in the scriptures. Because Jesus, uh, uh, this is a side of Jesus we don't normally see. This is the side of Jesus that, um, you know, everyone wants the peace Jesus, mm-hmm. the hippie Jesus, the Jesus that's going to come and lay hands and heal everyone. But this is the Jesus that steps in and turns over tables. This is the Jesus who, who shows, showcases his anger Right. This is godly anger, but it's still anger. Um, and the questions, there are plenty of questions around this. It's like, oh, it, does this give me permission to go in my church and mm. start flipping over benches or, or pews or anything? But I think that it's important for us to take a look at what's going on uh, to really understand what Jesus is up to here. Yeah. Why the anger? What yes. is it that that drove him to the point where we see this kind of change in his personality or we don't see other. This is the only place that we see this side of his and what is it that brought him to this point i think that's a great question yeah and we see this in all four of the gospels mm-hmm. right even though uh, we see it in matthew mark and luke um john it's it's interesting and we we don't know if this happened twice or not because the way that john frames his story either he's taking some liberties or this happened very early in jesus's ministry and then it happened again in the area that we consider holy week uh, so um, this this possibly is a, a two-time event uh, that we have that we're facing, uh, but quite interesting. So Yeah, I think it's interesting, um, and if those, of, if those of you that are listening, if you're following along in our study guide, you'll see that we go back to where, because Jesus quotes that um, my father said that this will be a house of prayer, and he's going back to Isaiah 56, 7. And so then I thought, well, that would be interesting to look at Isaiah 56. What stands out to you about that beginning part of Isaiah? Isaiah 56, uh, the, the verse number one, if you go back, he's talking about justice and the importance of justice. I believe that we serve a just God, a God that uh, wants to see everything uh, done right, things to be made right here on the earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray. Uh, but then he goes down and throughout that passage, he's talking about in, foreigner inclusion, Gentile inclusion, inclusion of everyone, which shows me that Jesus, uh, or God, uh, the Trinity, never intended for Israel to be exclusive. That Israel is a tool that he utilized to spread his good news throughout the world, but he always wanted everyone to be a part or follower of him. And so this is a beautiful 
text in the Old Testament to, uh, to show that you and I have been included since the very beginning uh, with God. And so uh, this uh, Isaiah puts it beautifully that his house is a house of prayer, but it's a house of inclusion. And that wraps right into uh, especially Matthew's version of this story where after Jesus actually cleanses the temple, what is the next thing? The very first thing that Jesus does, he includes people. Mm. He goes out and in this it says the sick, right? Those people who are the most marginalized are then included into the temple. They're they're welcomed in as soon as he cleanses out the temple. And um I don't know how deep you want to go right now, but <laughs> that that shows that um also in that area uh is where he he drives people out of the Gentile uh section of the temple. That's where the sales were happening. Jesus wasn't just eliminating people for selling sacrificial animals. He was eliminating the idea that they were excluding the Gentiles and using the Gentile space. Interesting. For sales. And so they had excluded the Gentiles, maybe not intentionally, maybe intentionally, we don't know. Uh, but they were making they were making in the marketplace the area where the Gentiles would be included. And so I believe Jesus uh, intentionally, right, eliminates people not just because of sales in the church uh, or in the temple, but because they were taking up the space for all people to be included. Back in Isaiah, exactly what you were saying, that he's the Lord is saying, I especially get stuck with the eunuch Mm -hmm. because we were just studying Acts a couple of months ago. And when we see the um, Ethiopian eunuch, and so we had conversations about how outside a eunuch would have been in Jewish society and Jewish culture. And to look back here in Isaiah 56 to see that it, it doesn't have anything to do with him being a eunuch. It has to do with him following the Lord. It has to do with him chasing after the Lord and how, you know, we see Paul, who was a Pharisee, becoming, you know, writing most of the New Testament and the how he had to reconcile the law to this new grace found through Jesus Christ and how and, and Jesus, you know, we see him in the Gospels flinging doors open, like you're saying, where, you know, there was the law, then there were all these other things that, you know, in Jewish history and custom and tradition, they had said, well, to fulfill the law, you need to do these things, which weren't actually the law, but it was more gates, more gates, more gates. And Jesus throws those gates open and says, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about the law was there for them to make themselves right with God so that they could know God, so they could be with him. And I love how Like, that's the thing he gets angry about. Mm -hmm. He gets angry about gates being put up for people to not be able to get to him. Yes, that's right. That reminds me of Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation Mm -hmm. chapter 7, verse 9, where Jesus is saying that heaven is going to be a place with all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. He is not this one exclusive type of God, and he is not a God, if you if you really read it, he's not a God uh, that is one culture. Right. One of the things that we as uh, Christians, unfortunately, as westernized Christians do, is we put up these gates that you're talking about that in order to be Christian, you have to meet these demands. We have to 
worship like us. You have to talk like us. You have to do things culturally like us. Even going to church, right? We, we have the standards of wearing a suit and tie, though, though we're breaking away from many of those traditions. But those traditions are not God. Right. And so many times we hold up these traditions. We hold up so many things that, um, that exclude people. You know, my brother, I love my brother to death, right? But one of the things that he has a problem with in church is dressing up to go to church. He says, I'm wearing my jeans and my sneakers and my (laughs) T-shirt, right? And if they won't accept me, then I won't go to church. And that's many people's uh, perspective of Christianity is that if I have to meet a standard, a human standard, uh, in order to meet God, then I'll leave God alone. And how disappointing is that? And I believe that God is going to be... Uh, uh, he's going to deal with us yeah. uh, uh, Christians when, when, when we meet him face to face to say, hey, look at all the people who are no, not going to participate in glory because of the barriers you put up, right? Of, of the hurdles that they had to jump. They felt they had to jump through in order to get to me. When Jesus is saying here in clearing the temple, there should be no barrier that stands between me and any human being. Yes. And I want to acknowledge that letting go of those traditions is hard. Yeah. And sometimes those traditions have come from a place where, you know, for example, dressing up, you know, for a certain generation, that that was a sign of respect. Yeah. And so not dressing up was disrespectful then to not do that, to go to church. And, and it's really hard. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, like things that God has had to deal with me, the deep issues, that it, it's hard to let him in there. And sometimes sometimes it's not like that. It's not a snap. It's long, slow work to bring about that change. But I think it's the willing I think what we're here we're seeing in fifty Isaiah fifty six is the willingness to follow the Lord and let him continually, ongoing, sanctify us to to make us more like him. But it's an ongoing work and we have to be willing to not hold anything back. I'm just preaching to myself right now. <laughs> you're not preaching to yourself. You're preaching to the world. That's I was just about to say, come on and preach mm-hmm. now. You, yeah. you got a sermon going on in your heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean that we, we have to, that's the surrender. That's the re-surrender. That's the surrendering. That's the ING. That's the ongoing of our relationship with God is chasing after him and letting him deal with the things in us that are not of him, even when we think that they are of him, letting him work that out in us. But then, you know, like I, we're seeing Jesus do in clearing the temple, that making space to make space for people who are who are different and might make us feel uncomfortable. And even that brings on a whole conversation about letting comfort be your deciding plumb line for making decisions. It's a whole other conversation. But yeah, just these doors flinging open. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot to learn in, mm-hmm. in our and in, in I specifically say westernized Christianity, Christianity, because that's my background. That's what I know. And as I travel the world, I see things are different um, in, in different cultures and different ways. Um, and, and, and the idea that we've put up a lot of barriers, uh, in our, in our Christian, in our westernized Christian culture, uh, that have, that have been harmful. Uh, they've been harmful to people. And if we look at the amount of Christians and the number of Christians in America today, uh, and in Europe, um, we see this great decline. And we have to ask ourselves, what is that decline? What's brought about that decline? And how do we course correct? We, of course, should be led uh, by uh, the Holy Spirit. 
And um, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, let go of some of these things that are holding people uh, away from me. Mm-hmm. Let's cleanse the temple. Mm-hmm. Let's cleanse the temple of anything that is not like me. You know, I'm, I'm preaching a series now uh, called Like Jesus. Mm-hmm. How can we be more like Jesus? Uh, what is it that we need to do to be like Jesus? Is it follow me? So whatever Jesus is not doing, then we don't need to do. Jesus even laid down his will and said, Father, your will be done, not mine. And sometimes we interject our will, our wants, our comfort, like you just said, our everything that we want. We've become consumer Christians mm. mm-hmm. instead of Jesus Christians. We choose churches on if the preacher tickles my funny bone that day if if he's not funny enough she's not funny enough if the choir or, or the musicians are playing the music that i like as long as that church is following jesus you need to be there yeah let's talk a minute about the things because we're talking a lot about the a lot of the things to let go of sure let's talk about what not to let go of maybe. oh that's beautiful that's wonderful because uh, just uh, a month ago, I, I preached a message uh, series called Deconstruction Reconstruction. Mm. And that's where we are. That's the buzzword right now is deconstruction. Right. Uh, but in order to deconstruct, you have to reconstruct. If you just deconstruct to demolish, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. And, but if you, if you have reconstruction, if you want to reconstruct something positive, if you want to build a building, you set up a good foundation. Right to build a strong building on top of it. And so some of the things that we don't want to let go is Jesus. Jesus is worth hanging on to. And I can't say that loud enough, proud enough, bold enough. Jesus is worth hanging on to. Uh, he is our savior. He is the future, our future. He's the one who can transform and has transformed our lives. And so focusing on and holding on to him is number one, most valuable. Mm-hmm. And whatever he's doing, that's what we need to be focusing on and doing. Let's get back to the scriptures. Let's get back to the life that Jesus lived and not necessarily what culturally feels good to us and follow the life of Jesus. And I believe that we'll be in a better place as far as Christianity in America goes, Christianity in Europe, Christianity in all these places that are post-Christian. I put the air quotes up and we'll be following him. And he'll be so pleased with us. I believe he'll do a wonderful brand new thing with westernized Christianity. If you and I are shining the light of Jesus, especially in the darkest corners of the world. Yep. And I would add really understanding that the Bible is a Middle Eastern text about a Middle Eastern people. Come on now. And so even our understanding of the scriptures as we... As we put our faith back together, that it needs to needs to be rooted in the scriptures and our the understanding of our scriptures. There are some things that we know for sure. God created God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are some cultural and socioeconomic kinds of things that happen that we are growing in our understanding of, and that needs to be again an ongoing process, but rooted in in the scripture and our understanding of it. Yeah, absolutely. And if that's a little difficult for some people, I'd recommend there's a book called A Multitude of All Peoples by Dr. Vince Bantu, B-A-N-T-U. And uh, his his book really focuses on uh, the, the origins of Christianity. It is an Asian religion. 
It is an Asian and then African religion before it ever became European. And sometimes we don't see it that way. But if we go back far enough and see it that way, we see that a lot of the things that we've added on to it are simply that add-ons. Well, and when you go back and look at it from that perspective, it's so rich. It's so textured. It's so colorful. And the understanding is so much more beautiful when you can enter into that context of it. Absolutely. You know, you really meet the real Jesus Mm -hmm. if you meet him in his context. Quick story. You know, I grew up in a black Baptist church background, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I come to church. uh, My mother dragged me to church every Sunday. (laughs) I remember bringing a friend from high school and uh, he came in the church. And it's important that, you know, it's a predominantly black Baptist church. And uh, he came in, a friend came in, and he looked up over the pulpit, over the podium, is a 30-foot mural of white Jesus. And he said, why would I ever follow that guy? If that's the guy who co-signed our kidnapping, if that's the guy who co-signed our ancestors being brutalized and enslaved, and brutally raped and uh, forced to breed like animals. What good could he ever do to me? Mm-hmm. That's another one of those walls that we've put up. And I think that in uh, Americanized Christianity, we've got to get rid of the images that are not accurate. Because what they're doing is they're good for one culture, but they're destroying others' cultures. Because of the history of our country. And we want people to follow Jesus. And it's not accurate. Well, it's absolutely not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's important for us to know true history, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, I but, mean, white Jesus uh, is not accurate because right. he was a Middle Eastern man. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, but then coming from an African-American context is that people will look at that and say, well, he's co-signing slaveholding. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going back in the scriptures and looking at Exodus, uh, I can't remember exact place, but it says kidnapping is an abomination to God and, 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 and death is the penalty for it. Uh, anybody caught with a kidnapped person, you know, there's, there's trouble for that person. Uh, I think it's First Timothy that goes in to say slave holding is against God. And so there are plenty of texts that, you know, verify uh, that, that this isn't uh, what God is, was interested in. Uh, but there's a lot of people who don't know that. And there are a lot of barriers that have been created uh, uh, politically, uh, tying Christianity to politics. There are a lot of barriers that we need to uh, just elim- we need to work on distancing Christianity from a lot of these barriers so that people can know Jesus. So we can clear the temple. Cleanse it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Pastor Gary, this is, I mean, I could talk to you for another hour. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's been a joy. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about Monday of Holy Week, Jesus Clearing the Temple. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. 
Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.